Thank you, Julia. Morning, everybody. Morning. How are you on this glorious morning? Happy. Happy. Smiles on faces. The word I have for you, the question I have for you this morning is where are you from and where are you going? Where are you from and where are you going? If you've ever had children in a car with you and you say you're going on a journey, fairly shortly into the journey, a little voice from the back seat will say, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? And we'll probably keep on asking till we're there. And I don't know whether you... It's okay, Julia, that's fine. Okay. My question to you this morning, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're all on a journey, folks. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey and God is with us. He's for us and not against us. But you know, when we go on journeys, there are troubles. There are interruptions. So let me start with a scripture from Matthew 14. Matthew 14, beginning of verse 22. So the disciples were out with Jesus and immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side whilst he sent the multitudes away. And he had, he had sent out the multitudes away and he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, or the winds were all over the place. Winds were blowing in every direction. Do you know, a walk with Jesus does not guarantee that there will be no storms. A journey with Christ does not guarantee that life will be storm-free. And so when we look at a glorious day like today and look out the window, we don't even think about storms. But do you know what? I can look in this room and I can look to people online and I can know there's storms going on in here. And there's storms going on in here. And there's storms going on around us, even though we don't see it. So even though it's a beautiful day, and even though we might put a mask on and say, Hi, how are you? I'm fine today. Inside our heads, there's a turmoil. Inside our hearts, there's a trouble. Inside, inside our lives, there's a bit of a mess. And we all go, I'm fine, thank you very much. But actually, if you really opened the kimono, if you really took the mask off, you'd go, Ah! <laughs> Because that's the way we feel. And so I just want to be very real about the journey today. I want to be very real about the journey. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about horizons and anchors. Horizons and anchors. Do you know in a storm, what happens when we suddenly... Like Gordon was telling us, or showing us on the, on the computer this morning, the weather forecast that is coming. Glorious sunshine. You know, if you, if you work in, the, in, in a village by the sea where there are fishermen, they're always watching the weather. They're watching the clouds. They're watching the wind. They're watching the app on the phone. And they're saying, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. And they will do things differently because there's a storm coming. They won't go out fishing. They'll batten down the hatches, as they say. They'll prepare for the storm. You know, a walk with Jesus is not storm-free. And the disciples were with Jesus. They fed, they'd seen 5,000 plus people fed 
and now they get into a boat and Jesus sends them away, sends them on to, away to do something and then he goes to pray. And now they're on a task for Jesus, he doesn't seem to be with them and they're in the ocean and the waves are up and down. Now my question to you is, when you're on the ocean in a boat, where is your eye focused? On the waves. It is, it's focused on the waves. And I don't know what you're like with seasickness, but let me give you a little piece of advice. If you're rubbish at seasickness, stop looking at the waves. Because what happens is, we're going up and down like this, and the waves are going up and down like this, so suddenly we've got discontinuity. Do you know what? What you need is a sure and steady reference point. And a steady reference point, there's nothing better than the horizon. Keep your eyes fixed on the horizon. Get your eyes off the waves and get your eyes fixed on the horizon. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But Jesus doesn't promise, and James, uh, Paul's letter to James, the letter in James does not talk about how life is going to be easy. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 5, it says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh dear. Oh dear. Count it joy when you're in the storm. Count it joy when waves are washing over you. Count it joy when there's stuff coming at you. Count it joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. Boy, do I need patience. I don't know about you, but I need patience. In this modern world, everything happens so quickly. Everything happens in such a hurry. Patience is getting squeezed out of every inch of our lives, of our bodies, of our work, of our job descriptions. Patience is getting squeezed out. So, Lord, do we need patience? But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what is the work of patience? If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. He who, he, he, you know, he who doesn't have faith is tossed by the wind and the waves. Okay? There's another horizon. Focus on faith. Focus on faith. Not on the ways, not on the stuff. Focus on faith. What has God said? I'm, I'm going to pepper my, my, my sermon today with some small testimony. But most of you know I had cancer many years ago. And I, 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 had a, I, had an, I had a bike accident when I was 15 years old. My knee hit the car. A taxi pulled out in front of me. My knee hit the car. I left my teeth in the roof of the car. But all I broke was my teeth and a fingernail and badly bruised my knee, as far as I was concerned at the time. Of course, 5,000 pounds worth of damage to a Volvo, which I'm quite proud of, to be honest. <laughs> 30 years ago, remember, so that's a lot of damage. Um, but I walked away with a broken fingernail, broken teeth, and a, a badly damaged, well, a bruised knee at the time. And I went through life with a bruised knee, and went on and on and on, um, and kept started to walk with a bit of a limp because of this bruised knee. And I went for a checkup, and they said, oh, yeah, you've got some calcium in there that needs to come out. So the doctors are not you recognize it's calcified tendonitis. Excuse the graphic illustration here, but I was told they're just going to cut it open and squeeze it out like toothpaste. I don't like I don't like casualties, so even that's gone too far for me. 
Um, and they did that, and the operation went fine. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to understand storms and horizons. I want you to understand that when we have our eyes fixed on Christ, or our eyes fixed on God, or our eyes fixed in faith, then actually it doesn't matter what happens here because we've got our eyes fixed in faith. And I was about to travel to Uganda. This is many years ago. Now. I was about to travel to Uganda, and I came to the final checkup of the operation after the operation. They, they'd done the operation. They told me I was going to have painkillers. I was going to be on crutches, um, and uh, I wouldn't be able to travel for quite a while. I'd already got the travel book, so I was going to be traveling two weeks after the operation. Um, I walked out. The, I walked out the hospital without crutches. The stitches were gone in a, in a couple of days. I had no painkillers at all. You know, sometimes when doctors tell you things, I'm not saying doctors are wrong. I'm not dissing doctors at all. Well, what I am saying is they have a different perspective. They're looking at your body from what they know. And actually, sometimes our eyes need to be fixed on the horizon. So I walked into this final checkup a couple of weeks before I was going to go to Uganda. And this was the final sign-up. Okay, bye-bye, Dave. Don't want to see you again. He said, oh, his head was down. The doctor's head was down. And I was like, okay, something's going on. He said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Food. I've got some bad news for you. I said, why, what's that? He said, well, there's tissue that we took out was cancerous. So I'm and now traveling on a faith journey, going on mission to Uganda, and two weeks before I go, I get this news. But my eyes are not fixed on the that diagnosis or the prognosis. My eyes are fixed on God. You know, I am now cancer-free, and that's all been dealt with, and that's all fine. And I have absolutely, all the way through the journey, my eyes were fixed on the horizon, saying God's in control, and it's going to be okay. And so when we read in James that our faith will be tested, let's remember that our eyes are on the horizon, not fixed on the waves. Psalm 91 says this, Psalm 91 verses 1 to 5. He who dwells in the most secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowl and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays in waste at noonday. Do not be afraid of the storm. Do not be afraid of the forecast of the storm. How many times are we told something dreadful is coming? And we panic and we, we take our eyes off the horizon, we take our eyes off faith, and we're suddenly looking around at all the evidence that says the storm's coming. All oh, the birds, they're all settling down to roost. Oh, the cows are all lying down. Do you know we will see what we want to see? We will see what we want to see, church. Um, and let me, let me prove this to you. If you've bought a yellow car in the last 10 years, then now you're driving around in your yellow car and you notice there are lots of other yellow cars. You just, I never realised there were so many yellow cars. Well, do you know what? Your perspective has been changed. Your perspective has been changed because your normal is now a yellow car. So you're now looking out and you notice yellow cars. And so when you're looking for a storm, you will see evidence of a storm even though the storm may never come. And we look, when people start to drop bad news into our hearts, and I'm not saying they're nasty or horrible people, but do you know what we default to negativity? Our default setting is negativity. 
And so consequently, if I gave you a piece of good news and a piece of bad news, you'd probably remember the bad news. You'd probably talk about the bad news first. If you want evidence of this, just look at your newspaper. If you read a newspaper, look at your news feed on your phone, look at your app, whatever it is, most of it will be negative. Now, and one of the things is, and this is a piece of advice for anybody living in the electronic world, is change your bubble. Change your bubble. Now, we live in a bubble where we choose things, we like things, we share things, and more of the same stuff comes to us. If we keep on liking negative stuff, we will keep on getting negative stuff put in our inbox. We will keep on getting negative stuff coming through our Facebook page. Just a piece of advice, a simple comment, but do you know it's worth paying attention to? Because you know what? If we just went from 5% negative, so 45%, to 5% positive, 55%, not a big change. You know, suddenly, each time we are choosing good, we are choosing hope, we are choosing purpose. So, I now want to talk about those things that I mentioned. I want to start by talking from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. And I want to talk about anchors. Now, what is an anchor? What's the purpose of an anchor? An anchor is to hold you safe, is to hold you strong. And most boats will just have a normal anchor they just put down, it goes down to the sediment at the bottom of the sea, and it just drags in there. But you know, they'll also have a storm anchor. And the storm anchor is a bit, bit bigger, has a bigger chain, it's more solid, and will be dropped down into the ocean, and you will then line your boat to the storm that is coming, so that when the waves come, you are already prepared for it. So now when I read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, take this context. Um, let me just read from verse 17, I think. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of counsel confirmed his by an oath that two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have strong consolation who have fled refuge to lay hold of the, the, of the hope that is certain before us. So we have a place of refuge we have a place to anchor ourselves. We, we, we anchor ourselves to hope. We anchor ourselves to our identity. And so one of the questions I want to ask you is, who are you anchored to? Now, you, sometimes we anchor ourselves to um, our family. And our identity is in our family. Now, if anybody's happened, I, I am going to touch some ouch points today, so don't forgive me, just bear with me. But... <laughs> Because I'm not going to apologise. I said so I wanted to share it, so I'm not going to apologise for maybe scratching where you're hurting. But sometimes healing comes by dealing with stuff. And so, now one of the things is sometimes our identity is in our family. For anybody who's been in this fish, especially if you've been through it recently, this is an outcome. But when your dad or your mum or somebody senior in your family passes away, suddenly you realise, oh, I'm now the oldest person in my family. <laughs> oh now, oh now I'm responsible. Head of the family, whatever you want to call it. So how do you see? You know, you know, and suddenly the baton has been passed onto the next generation and now it's you. And suddenly you, you kind of feel the weight of everything. So you, suddenly you feel your identity's changed. Your anchor's changed because suddenly mum's no longer there. Now even if mum's in the 70s, 80s, 90s, mum is still an anchor. If dad is still in his 80s or 90s, he is still an anchor. Even though he's not able to do, or she's not able to do the things that they were able to do before, they are still a reference point, they are still an anchor. And suddenly when that anchor goes, we are at sea. We are at sea saying, who am I? 
uh, mum's gone, who am I now? Um, the same place can happen when you get married. When you get married, you know, so there you were, living a life of, of singleness, and then you start courting, and then you start finding someone, and, and then you get married, and suddenly, you don't have all that freedom. Suddenly the identity is no longer just you, it's you and the other half. And suddenly the identities change. When children come along, suddenly the anchor has moved. What you thought was, and I remember some, some mums and dads actually, to be fair, saying to me, hey, I don't know who I am anymore. I'm, I'm doing this with, with, with Grace, and I'm doing this with Henry, and I'm, I'm running around, I'm, I'm Miss Taxi or Mr. Taxi. And I don't know who I am anymore in the midst of all of this. The anchor has changed. One anchor's been set. And now, do you know what? If we set our things on these peripheral things, I, I, I say family peripheral, I'm not really, but they're not eternal things. Here on earth, our time is limited. So when one anchor goes, we suddenly feel we're set adrift, and then we try and find another anchor. Maybe one of your anchors is health. I thank God for a healthy life. And then we have to battle with sickness and, and trouble and, and worry. You know, well, okay, let me ask you the question. Who are you anchored into? Who are you anchored into? The three places I recommend that we're anchored into is the Father. Father God, who loves us, who created us, who actually wants to be involved in our lives on a daily basis. That we'd be anchored into God. So it's, you know, when something comes along and we have a doubt about who we are, we go, I'm a child of God. When, when people say, so who are you? You think in your head, I'm a child of God. And you lift your eyes up above your circumstances. You start to say, I'm anchored into God because I'm his and he's mine. You're anchored into Christ. Because he paid the ultimate price. He paid for you. He came to this earth, was crucified on the cross, and we're going to remember that today as we come around to communion. He was nailed to a cross. He died. You know, that ultimate desperation moment. There's a disanchoring point. When someone died. Jesus died. And he rose again. And that's the completeness of the victim. Christ died for us. Not for somebody else, for you. For me. Make that personal. So when I'm talking about who, where these anchors are, and please make it personal. God is my Father. Christ died for me. Make it personal. Because do you know what? When we make it personal, we are truly anchoring into it. We are truly taking hold of the, of, of the storm anchor. Who I am. Who I am in God is designed. We are co-heirs with Christ. Christ went to the cross for you and for me. It's a personal thing. Even though it's for mankind. And then, we often feel like, um, sometimes when storms come, we feel like we've been left alone. It's all <laughs> our responsibility. Let me go back to mum, no longer been here, or dad, whichever one relates to you. Suddenly you feel, oh, the backstop's no longer there. Now you think about uh, baseball, cricket, whatever your game is. The wicket is not there. And so now you've got to defend them the base, you've got to defend, and it's all up to you, and you feel the weight of responsibility bearing down on you. Do you know what? That weight can be oppressive. That weight can be something that, that just literally takes hold of who we are. 
And suddenly we feel we, we're defined by the weight of situation, the weight of circumstance. Do you know what? We can be anchored to in the Holy Spirit. God did not leave us. He did not leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait here. He said to the disciples, wait here, and I, I will send the Holy Spirit who will come upon you from on high. You know, there's no better place to be in a place of need where you feel like to be an empty vessel and say, Lord, fill me, because I need you desperately now. So three anchors, three anchors, one in God, one in Christ, one in the Holy Spirit. Well, there's the Holy Trinity. No better place than, you know, triangles are wonderful things. You try, I mean, one of the reasons why that camera over there is on the triangle is because that's what makes it stable. If it's only two, it's not stable. You try and stand a card up on its end. You try and stand a book up on its end or anything where there is just one plane. It doesn't work. It's very hard. On the other hand, once you've got three, it suddenly becomes stable. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in the midst of storms, in the midst of the journey, where are we going from and where are we going to? Let's find an anchor that works for us. Let me encourage you. I'll put some points in there, yeah? just as a reminder. Three points. There's not anything in the side. Is Pardon? it the three anchor slide? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I managed to create a blank slide. There you go. <laughs> um, but those three anchor points were the Father. We are created in God's image. We are His children. He wants a relationship with us. Jesus Christ, His Saviour, our Saviour, our Teacher, our Rabboni, who came to this earth, paid the price ultimately, and the Holy Spirit that remains with us in all times and in all circumstances. So I've talked about anchors, but now let me get on to talk about horizons. And let's go back to the story that I started with, Matthew chapter 14. Now continuing on from verse 25. So the boat's already up and down in the waves and Jesus has gone away praying and the disciples, how are they feeling? Now on the fourth watch, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. You know what, I, I, I want to poke someone who said that to me in the middle of the storm. Well, I've got seasickness and I'm kind of worrying for my life. And somebody said, be joyful or be happy, I'd want to poke them. <laughs> Even if it was Jesus, to be honest. Because, you know, when you're seasick, the last thing you want is someone to say, cheer up. <laughs> it is I. Do not be afraid. Now there were many of the disciples in the boat, but the one who responds here is Peter. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now I'm really honest with you, that's not my first thought. In a boat that is going up and down in the storm and wondering whether this is a ghost, if it's really, I'd be saying, if it's you, stop the storm. Not ask me to come out onto the water with you. And so he said, come. And when Peter came out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the winds was boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. I just want to focus on where 
do you think Peter's attention was as he stepped out of the boat? He made the bold statement, let's not, let's not knock him. Everyone else in the boat was probably just still holding onto the boat saying, oh, it's a ghost. But Peter says, if it's you, Lord, command me to come on the water with you. Jesus says, come. <coughs> and he got out of the boat. So let's not, let's not knock him. Let's not give him a hard time. He asked, he, he said, if it's you, Jesus, command me to come. And Jesus did, and he got out of the boat. Don't know whether you got out of the boat. Just being honest with you, I'd probably be holding on to the boat. Tentatively, but muffled up and maybe giving it a try. But what happens, the wind and the waves distract him. So where is his attention? His attention is not on Jesus. His attention is on the wind and the waves. Do you know, if we get, but we will get buffeted by circumstances. So if circumstances come and we look at them, we'll see more circumstances. We won't see stability, we'll see more storms. We won't see stability, we'll see more storms. You know, and again, I want to talk about spiritual seasickness now. So I, I sense there is such a thing. But actually, do you know what? There are places where we can actually get, Ooh. you know, I mean, you're so sick with the circumstance. You're so sick with the situation that you just feel you've been buffeted in all directions. The storm is coming. This isn't about a physical sickness necessarily, but it's just a feeling of nausea and wanting to get out of the boat and wanting to, to just pray for the storm to be over. God, if we'd only get back to normal, whatever normal means in this world. But the first horizon I want you to get is get your eyes off the circumstances. Get your eyes off the circumstances. In Psalms it talks about lift your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. Lift your eyes to the horizon. And again, on the, in the storms of life, lift your, horizon, lift your eyes to, to the horizon. Look to something that is stable and secure. And in this, the thing that is stable and secure is Jesus. He said, come. Peter stepped out, and he took his eyes off Jesus. His eyes were back on the waves and the wind. But you know, there's also a frame of reference here. You know, if our eyes are fixed on the wind and the waves, we get lost. If you've ever been lost in a storm, I've been lost in a storm a number of times, once in the mountains in Wales, once in a forest, you know, it's wind and waves and it's dark and it's horrible. Do you know what? At least, at least three circumstances in my life, two, those two I've just named and the third one, I can think of, I walked around in a circle because I didn't have a frame of reference. So I'm heading off thinking I'm heading up in the right direction and eventually after hours of walking, I'm back where I started to think, how on earth, this looks familiar. Oh, yes, that's where I sat down a few hours ago. I'm back where I started. Because, you know, I've lost my frame of reference. And in losing my frame of reference, I was lost. Yeah, and that's one of the things the enemy wants to do. He wants to take storms and give us so much trouble and get us so focused on the storms that actually we get lost. And then we start to wonder, is God still there? And I'm being really honest with you guys. I'm being honest with those on my... You know, sometimes we get to a place of desperation where we say, God, are you really there anymore? Jesus, did you really die? Do you know what? We've got to get our eyes fixed on that horizon. And sometimes it takes other people to help to say, hey, lift your eyes up. Lift your eyes up. Sometimes it's just one degree, two degrees. Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just a movement of our heads, a movement of our spirits. 
And so I remember I started off by saying, where are you from and where are you going? There's another frame of reference that we often forget, which is our past. And sometimes we don't want to acknowledge our past. Sometimes we don't want to talk about our past. But you know what? It's only by looking back at where we've been we realise that we're going somewhere. I've travelled on places like the, the plains in Canada. You can jump into a car, you can drive and drive and drive and drive, and you still think you're in the same place. You know the speedometer says you're doing 60 miles an hour, you see everything moving past the windows, but do you know what, honestly? It doesn't look, you don't feel like you've got any closer. You, you can't, the mountains that are meant to be hundreds of miles ahead of you, you still can't see them. You're driving on the, because you've lost perspective. And so sometimes all I need to do is to look back and say, oh, yes. I can see the mountains behind me are now further away. So I must be moving. And so one of the things I want to say to you, say to us, is let's look over our shoulder and see what God has saved us from. Let's look over our shoulder and see what God has kept us from, how he's delivered us, helped us, provided for us. Because you know what? That's an anchor too. Not that we drive back into history, but we realise we're not where we could, we could have ended up. We could have ended up in a much bigger mess. But no. No. He saved us from this. He set us free. And in the midst of that, there's where we are now and who we are now in the midst of this. So where have we come from? Where are we going? Where is our horizon? And I do want to give you a, a big horizon to, get, to aim for. Do you know what? There's a horizon that's way beyond the end of the year. Some, pe some people can't think beyond the end of the year. That's far enough. I can't think about that. Where are you going on holiday next year? <coughs> some of you think, don't talk to me about holiday next year. Babe. I can't even think about next month. Exactly. You know, and life's becoming so busy that we're focused on the next paycheck or the next piece of work. Some of you are sitting there thinking, don't go there, Dave. Please don't talk about work. But you know, it's a bank holiday tomorrow, so you've got a day off. And I give you permission Yay. not to think about work tomorrow. <laughs> give yourself permission not to think about work tomorrow. Have a day off. Set yourself free from work to join. You know, do you know what? I don't think you'll add anything to anybody by going into work having worried about all the stuff that's on your desk tomorrow. I don't think you will just arrive a bit more stressed, a bit, uh, a bit more acidic, acid, acid in your stomach, um, maybe a bit less well slept. Tomorrow's a bank holiday. Have a day off and enjoy it. I give you permission then. If you want to reference that to your boss when you go in on Tuesday, they said I could have a day off yesterday, please do so. If they want to email me, I'll, I'll have a conversation with them. <laughs> I really will. Because tomorrow's a day of rest, like Sunday should be a day of rest. And there's nothing wrong with having a day of rest. You know, some of us get very guilty. You know, I'll give you an example. Sometimes I've had people say to me, Dave, what did you do today? I'm meeting them at lunchtime on Saturday. Oh, yeah, well, I've, I've taken the dog for a walk. Nothing really. I've taken the dog for a walk. I've done some chores. You know, we don't like to say nothing. You know, when we go on holiday, we take all these books we're intending to read. You know, well, sometimes it's just good yeah. to chill and to rest. Sometimes it's good to relax and to breathe. And sometimes we need to find substitutes to help us substitutes to help us in the midst of stuff. And let me really go to some out places now. You know, if you're, the, you're the person who always cooks the meal every week. Sometimes, I think it's good someone to volunteer to say, 
hey, I'll do it this week. I'll do it Tuesday night. I'll cook dinner. You know what? That would feel like a holiday for the person who does it seven days a week. That would genuinely, that person, and I've seen this, I've seen people who, who then sit down and they don't know what to do with themselves because they're not cooking dinner. <laughs> and they, you know, they sit down and they, they maybe get a book out or a newspaper and then they get up and they, they feel they ought to be doing something because that's the time of day between 5.30 and 6.30 or whatever it is that we should be... Yeah, and they're, they're lost. Their identity's gone because just enjoy relaxing. Now, if, if people offer you help, take it. People offer you help, take it. I'll tell you for two reasons. Number one, sometimes God nudges people to come and offer you help. And I've seen people do this. I, I, I remember Irene Blessing now with the Lord. She used to say, I don't want to be too much trouble though. And I'll give you a specific example so we go to an ounce point. Um, I, I met her one day. We'd gone to um, house group in the week. And I said, hi, Irene, how was your day? She said, I struggled to get to the hospital to my doctor's appointment. I said, I didn't even know you had a doctor's appointment. She said, I didn't want to trouble you. I didn't want to be too much trouble. And I was working at home on this day. I could have easily given her a lift to the hospital. It would have been you know, a simple job. You know, I could have taken some work to do with me and sat in the waiting room while she went to see the doctor and then walked her back home again. I probably wouldn't have lost any time in the day at all. Or maybe five or ten But she didn't want to be too much trouble. You know, sometimes I'd ask her, how can I, I, can I help? And she said, no, it's all right, Dave. Thank you very much. Do you know what? In her saying no, I'm not dissing her because I've done exactly the same thing myself, so I can point myself in. In saying no to someone who offers you help, the first thing is you rob yourself of the blessing of being helped. But number two, we rob the person who wanted to help you of the opportunity to serve. It's a two-sided coin. So, let me kind of wrap things up and bring things to a close with 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9. Because I want to come back to who are we? So where are we from? Where are we going? Let's get our eyes fixed on eternity. Let's get our eyes fixed on etern eternal stuff. You know, I've been told that if we get our eyes fixed on the horizon, if we get our better time scale, then we become less stressed, less manic, less desperate because we've got our eyes fixed on a horizon. So there's no longer horizon than you and I can have than a, a horizon in eternity. You know, what is our purpose here on earth? To reach the lost, preach the gospel, make disciples, heal, baptize, you know, it's all there in Macedonia. That's an eternal perspective. Because those people will be in heaven with you, with us. 1 Peter 2. So who are we in the midst of this? I talked about looking back and looking where you come from. I was talking about this horizon and looking forward. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Can you see the journey? Can you see where we're from? Can you see where we're going? Let's get anchored into the things that matter. Let's get our horizon perspective right. Let's not focus on the wind and the waves. Well, let's trust God. Now, I know, I just know in my spirit, and I, I, I even myself, I just know I've touched things this morning where I've just got to give some opportunity to find it. 
Sorry. You get fright. But I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Let's close our eyes. For those listening online, those listening later, let's close our eyes in this moment. Let's pause right now. And the first thing I want you to do with your eyes closed is to just breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in. Not to breathe out yet. I haven't given you that permission yet. Now breathe out. Keep on breathing out. Some of you are struggling now because I'm making you breathe slower. Now breathe in again. Keep on breathing in slowly. Now you're slowing things down. Pause. Relax. Let your shoulders drop. Sit up a bit more straight. And now breathe out slowly, slowly, slowly. I'm not trying to hypnotize you. I'm just wanting you to relax. I just feel now sometimes when a doctor comes along and wants to look at something that hurts, the first thing that our body does is to tense and try and protect that. You know, I, I, I've got, a, I've got a, um, a splinter in my hand at the moment and you know, I need to dig it out at some point. But I know that in digging it out, I'm going to mess around, it's going to be painful. So the first, first thing the body does is try to protect itself. That's the way God designed it, to keep our body safe. So breathe in again. One more time. Breathe in again. Keep on breathing in. Breathe in slowly. And pause. And breathe out again. So this is what asked some questions. And God is able to do... God, is, God doesn't need a doctor's surgery of people sitting there waiting to consult with him. He can do all of us all at the same time. So we don't need to wait our turn in that sense. But I do think we need to be ready to talk to Father God. I do think we need to be ready to talk to our Saviour Jesus, who heals all our diseases. I do think we need to call on the Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us, to touch us, to release gifts even right now. I'm going to pray for three things. I firstly want to pray, and let's deal with let's deal with anchors first of all. No, let's, no, let's deal with storms first of all. I want to pray for those who just feel they're right in the midst of a storm right now. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm, I'm not going to open my eyes. I don't need to. But if, if you sense you're in a storm and you are like the disciples, you're clinging onto the side of the boat, saying, like, "Lord, where are you in the storm?" If that's you, would you stand? I don't know what God's going to do on your behalf. I don't know what God's going to do to you, but I am going to pray. If you're in a storm at work, if you're in a storm in family circumstances, if you're in a storm with, with something that just feels completely out of control, I'm going to pray in a moment. But you know what I, I, I sense the Father saying to each one of us who's standing, and I'm standing right now too. No, 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 no. Just be, actually, before I do, just let me just, just talk to one thing. Sleepless nights. If you wake up on a regular basis thinking the same thing, you've got a storm going on. If, if something's eating into your sleep, then it's robbing you of good rest, good recuperation. It's robbing you of a place where God can download peace into you. If you are regularly waking up thinking the same thing, then you need to stand right now. A storm. You know, sometimes storms can even be subconscious. You don't even know. You just sense the storm looming. You sense there's something coming. And it disturbs your spirit, it disturbs who you are, it disturbs your ability to find peace. 
And so, Lord God, we stand in your presence right now. And Lord, we lift our eyes. And what I, said, what I got the sense of God saying is, get your eyes off the next wave. Look, look beyond the next wave. Look beyond the next seven waves. Don't just look at the next one. Don't just look at the next uh, meeting with your boss. Don't look at the next argument with that person you're thinking about. Don't look at the, at the waves. Look beyond the waves. Get your eyes at least to be able to look at the sea. You, you know, the sea beyond the waves. And if you can, lift your eyes up. Put your shoulders back, lift your eyes up and look to the horizon. Look to the horizon. Look to God who made you. Look to Christ who saved you. Look to the Holy Spirit who empowers you. Empowers you to stand. Empowers you to breathe. Empowers you to see. Gifts, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that are there for times like storms. In the midst of the storm, you need a gift of knowledge to know what you need to know. In the midst of a storm, you need a gift of wisdom to know what you need to do. In the midst of a storm, you need a gift of prophecy to be able to say, let's do this. And you speak forth words of comfort and encouragement. And they're there in the gifts. They're there in the Holy Spirit. Their purpose is to help us to get out of storms, get us through storms. You know, as, as I've said, we're not promised storm-free lives. So get your eyes onto the horizon. And now breathe again. Choose to breathe again. Don't hold your breath in the midst of this. Choose to breathe again. And breathe the fullness of his presence. Breathe in the life of Christ. Fill yourselves up. Top yourselves up. Go on, overflow. Why not? Overflow. Top up. Fill up. Right now the Holy Spirit's coming upon folk. Be topped up, be filled up, be equipped, be washed, be cleansed, be soaked. Now one or two people actually said God's giving you a, a jacuzzi. Just says, okay, relax. Relax. It's gotta be okay. No storms are Storms happen. for at least a couple of people in the room, maybe for somebody online as well. There's a medical situation that only you know about. You've not talked to your partner about it. You've not talked to your doctor about it. But there is something niggling away at your spirit. There, there, there is a doubt about it. There's some kind of ache or break. You know, something in your bodily function that has, you know, has caught your attention. Since the Bible says, by all means go to the doctor, but don't go to the doctor expecting bad news. Go to the doctor to clear your mind, to bring you peace. Blood in urine okay, is a bad sign. Do you know what I sense? The doctor will say, it's okay because of this. And they'll be able to explain it away straight away. They'll be able to explain to you what it is. No big deal. But get your eyes on the horizon. Receive peace for that. So I'm going to ask everybody to sit down again. And then I'm going to ask us to focus now on identity. I talked about anchors. I talked about anchors who we are. And there's that phrase that says, I'm all at sea. And if that phrase means something to you right now, I'm all at sea. Maybe you're all at sea at work. Maybe your job has changed so much you don't know who you are at work anymore. Maybe you're all at sea at home because 
stuff at home changed. Maybe you want to see because the loved one's passed on. But that phrase, all at sea, I don't know who I am anymore. If those things resonate with you, I just sense God wants to speak to you now as well. Would you stand? ticket on saying paid for. The price has been paid. Well, there isn't a debt. There isn't something that we need to kind of earn or something we need to kind of justify ourselves. Father, help us to help us to deal with guilt. Help us to bring ourselves to a place where we acknowledge that we fall short of your perfect plan and receive the gift of his price. Father, help us to seek to be empowered on the daily basis. <coughs> Finally, if we to sit down again, one final thought, one final thing. Okay, so we, <coughs> we have focused on those anchors. But finally, I just want to ask the question, okay, where is your horizon? Where are you looking to? Where are you looking to? <coughs> Those things are waves. 
I just want to encourage you to get your eyes and if you know you fixed on the, on the waves and the winds and you want to change your horizon focus would you stand just fine I think this is actually much more with us now God can help us do you know what I think sometimes we need to take classes off we need to go to the opticians and get our eyesight adjusted again and that, that optician I'm talking about is not Spectators or anybody else like that. Not that I've got problems with spectators, but it's gone. Lord, give us a fresh perspective. Help us to focus in a new place. Help us to focus in a new way. Help us to focus on love and hope and faith. Help us to focus on our neighbours and not ourselves. Help us to focus on others and not our needs. And so, Father God, I pray that you breathe right now. Breathe on all those who are standing, those who are listening later, those who are listening right now online and in the room. Would you breathe your Holy Spirit upon us? Would you breathe your life upon us? Lord, would you revitalize uh, limbs that seem to have stopped functioning? Would you revitalize um, thoughts that have stopped thinking? Would you revitalize our brains in areas, Lord, where our brain has stopped even thinking and, and believing for things? Father, would you renew our dreams? Would you renew our visions? Would you renew our our faith in prophetic words, Lord God, and things that you've spoken. And remind ourselves, we're children of God, and God said, and God said, and God said, because you know that's horizon talk. That's horizon talk. When we got our eyes fixed on the horizon, we're saying, but God said, but God said, but God said. And I, even, even as I'm closing out this prayer, I just sense there are one or two people you've got a dusty prophecy that you've put in a file, you've maybe even torn it up. You're not throwing it in the bin, but you've torn it up. You've given up on it. Do you know what I say? God says, there are prophetic words that you've torn up, and I am still going to honour. The scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear that prayer. Heal their land. And uh, notice it starts with if. And so there is a context that we need to kind of respond. There's a place where God can still do what he needs to do because God is not constrained by time. God, God is not limited. We can come back to a place and look to the horizon again. And so far, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.